0: Well, thank you, worship team. What a great time of singing and worship. Um, Well, I am Pastor Derek. Um, I'm the family and discipleship pastor here at Fellowship of Grace, as most of you know. And um, Pastor Michael is in our New Member Connect uh, class this morning, where we've got a good good number of people that are interested in learning more about our church, so we're really excited about that. Um, Before I get started on the sermon, I do want to mention just a couple of announcements and things. Um, Probably first thing you see, you see the stage. Um just, just to reassure you that this is kind of in progress, we're not going to leave the stage flesh-colored, at least for some of us. Um, it will change and, and become black by the time here next next week. I um, hope I don't slip on that sometime this morning. Um, but we've we got a lot of guys, Jason and several other guys have been up here multiple nights this week uh, volunteering and just sacrificing a lot of time and energy to, to make this happen. And we're going to be, over the next few weeks, having a lot of different things going on, getting kind of in preparation to get new carpet in, so we're doing a lot of painting, we're going to do some construction in the children's rooms to expand there a little bit, so exciting things going on, but just bear with us while it may be a little bit messier here on Sunday mornings, um, but I know most of you don't mind that, and we're, we're excited about the need for this and, and also God's provision and being able to do this without having to go into debt or anything like that, so that's one thing I want to make you aware of. We've also um, got Chris uh, Nardi and Pastor Michael are going to be traveling to the Philippines in a couple weeks. I mentioned that last, last time. Um, so be sure to be praying for them uh, next Sunday. I think will be the last Sunday before they leave um, or maybe the next one, but October's flying by already. Um, so we'll, we'll make sure to give you a little more details about that, post some things on the city, but be praying for them as they go and, and um, seek out some partnerships and, and look at some things in the Philippines in preparation for our trip next year as a church. We've also got Strive Student Ministries, the Action Weekend, coming up in a couple of weeks. I think most of you students have signed up for that. So very good, and, and you can grab more details or ask questions out at the Connection Center. Um, and I think uh, the last thing I do want to mention is just the pictures. Some of you already have had your pictures taken. You'll see more details there in your bulletin. But if you, if you didn't sign up to have your picture taken for our new kind of online photo directory, you can go. They go really, really fast um, Shannon Legrand, um, and I think her husband or one other family member going to be helping her out on this side of the building, in between the services, and then after the second service as well. So, I mean, it's really quick. It's not super formal. You're not going to take 30 minutes to do it, unless you're, you have like eight kids, and none of them like to smile or anything. Then it might take a little longer. But um, if you, you don't have to have signed up to go do that before you leave today, all right? And we want, we'd like everybody to do that. I know some of you don't like pictures, and that's very painful for you to do, but you look great. I, I can see everybody from here. It, Everybody looks awesome, picture worthy, so go get your picture taken. All right, guys? Um, unless you signed up for next week, um, and then you can wait till next week, because we're going to do it again then. All right, let's, let's jump into the sermon. Money, 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 money. Uh, everybody excited about that? I know um, some, a lot of us come with these kind of preconceived notions about money. Some of us already are saying, oh, okay, the church pastor's talking about money again. That's uh, kind of old news. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you're not thinking that way. Um, but but some of you may be thinking, okay, good money. I I know I know the basic principles. I'm good, but I want us to come today with this topic of uh, as we continue in our series of how God sees things, and we talk about money with, with this uh, kind of an open open heart, open mind. Um, you you may not hear anything today. We're going to look a lot of a, a lot of scripture, um, but you may not you may not hear anything you haven't heard before if you've been in church. Maybe maybe you will. Um, but I, I want us to really uh, examine ourselves as we talk about this and. Really think about does God really care about what I do with my money? What, what I do with my stuff? You know, and as we talk about money, we're going to kind of lump in material, material possessions. All right. The, the Bible talks a lot about them together money and your wealth and your material possessions. You know, we, we're all about those things here in America. Um, we've, it's just um, a big deal. And you think about materialism, uh, especially in our culture. Um, one, one biblical scholar said this he said that the single biggest competitor with authentic Christianity for the hearts and souls of millions in our world today is materialism. Just this obsession we have with these material things. And I think he's on to something there. Uh, there's obviously a lot of other factors, things like that, but uh, there's uh, materialism, it's we can't get around how important it is. The Bible literally has thousands of verses that talk about money. More more so than, than prayer, more so than heaven and hell, some of these other spiritual topics that talks about money. So we it, it, it's obvious that God cares about what we, what we do with our money, how we, how we act. So wherever you are today, maybe you're here, maybe you're a student and you don't have a job, you don't have any money, so you're like, okay, this doesn't apply to me. Or maybe you're retired or maybe you're somewhere in between where, where you're making money, you're making a little money, you're making a lot of money, everywhere along the whole scope. I, I want us to, to see today that we can, there's really some principles that we can learn uh, about how God sees money and then how we can apply that um, to our lives so if we look at our series verse, we've looked at this each week, uh, Pastor Michaels led us in this, says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Uh, pretty self-explanatory, but and as, you've, as we've heard over the last few weeks, um, it's, it's kind of sobering in a, fact, in a way, because the way it does seem right, but it does end to death, leads to death. The way we see things leads to our conclusions about life, and we'll see that again today with the topic of money so um, today as we talk about it you see there in your bulletin the notes we're going to look at it kind of as a table look at world's view on one side and then god's view on the other and to introduce this first point i'm going to need need some help from the audience okay now i know everybody gets nervous when i do this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask ask anybody to talk or anything but i need to i need to borrow something from somebody so let me let me see and uh, don't get nervous don't make eye contact anybody yeah Okay. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Hey. Can I borrow this, please? Can I borrow? Okay. Thank you, McKenna. Thank you. Okay. So I've got this pencil, sweet McKenna. Just let me have. All right. So I've got this pencil, very colorful, very good. Um, I, I want you to. What would you think if I did this? Yeah. So that, and I just stomp on it. Yeah. Most of you are thinking, "Wow, this is a really awkward way to start a sermon, Derek." That. I, I thought I knew you, uh, I, I, you're not that type of guy, all right? So it's okay, McKenna, it, it'll be okay, watch. Um, it's not like some magic trick where you put it back together, but, but <laughs> it, you, you see here that, that that's kind of, I mean, that, that's, uh, what, what am I doing? But would the situation change any if I told you I, give, I had given this to her before the service, and it's my pencil, and I had made sure that she knew she was going to give it back to me, I didn't pretend that it, that it was hers, but it's my pencil. Does that change things? Change things a little bit, not for some of you. You still think I'm silly for breaking a perfectly good pencil. I, so so I, I, basically, the point there—it's don't take the analogy too far, the, you know. But the point is that the situation, the things change a quite a bit when we realize who the owner is. All right. So this first point, this first point here is this: the world says about money that it's my money, it's it's ours, it's mine. But we know, looking at Scripture, um, it, it is God's money. It's God's money. So when we, we think we've earned it, we, this is my money, you know, when we act like that, take what's yours. That's what the world will say. Um, we're taught from a very early, early age to be, to be possessive of our, of our money, you know, and we even call possessions, possess po- possessions, you know, our, our material things, because we possess them, and it's ingrained in our, in our minds. But how does God see money? We see that it, it's, it's his money. So read these verses with me, just a couple of things that, that illustrate this. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Here in Deuteronomy, the same thing echoed. Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. So we, th- that covers covers a lot. That covers money. That covers everything in this world that the Lord owns. He created it. It is rightfully his. He can do it, with it how he chooses. But we still, you know, we, a lot of us still kind of, we tend to reject that a little bit or, or kind of... Um, you're hesitant to do that. You know, I've worked really hard for my money. I, I do my job and I do all these things. Well, here's God's answer to that. It says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So we see here, he answers that question too. So, so what, what, what's the point? Why, why are we here? If everything's God's, what are we to do? Well, then this is when the idea of stewardship comes in. We are stewards a steward is not a term we we use a lot today, um, but but basically in its kind of most simplest definition is this. It's someone, an owner, entrusts with the management of his assets. Okay, so, and this is a big perspective shift. You know, we may know this intellectually, that God is the owner, we're the stewards, but when we begin to act like this, um, and live like it, live it out, it makes a huge difference. You know, when we think about um, situations that come up in life, maybe it's a a tragedy. Maybe we lose a job. Maybe something gets stolen from us that has a lot of value, a lot of monetary value, a lot of just intrinsic value to it to us. If we don't realize God's the owner, we're, we're the stewards, it can really throw us for a curveball. I, I know many of you um, have kind of followed along with us if you've been um, here at the church the last few years with our adoption story with Anna and I. Um, we began in December 2012 um, feeling like God was calling us to adopt and You led us to do that internationally, and we knew going into it, we're like, okay, international adoption, that's, you know, they say at least 30 grand to do that, and we're like, okay, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that we do not have. Um, And so we we just prayed, felt God telling us to do it, so we we jumped in, and next year we, we got a referral, so we got the name of this little Gideon that most of you have met now, um, and we, we got, we well, got this name the next, it took a year to do that. And then a few months later, as we're trying to get ready to travel, we're trying to get ready to go over there and, and get him. Uh, we got this news. I remember it, you know, just actually we were both laying in bed and, and we were on our phones. Not a great idea to always do, but it, we, we, we were, you know, this, this time we, we found some news out from our adoption agency that, um, it had been shut down for adoption corruption. All right. And so we, we would kind of invested a lot. And we had over $20,000 kind of stored up, waiting for our travel, waiting for all these things. And we're, we're sitting there reading this article you know, on the news, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, what, what do we do? What do we do? And we, 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 we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. But during that time, I remember, and this has probably been one of the biggest, um, I think, areas or, or times of growth for us in learning to, to really live with this mindset, that this isn't ours this money isn't ours. This money that, that we were going to pay for this adoption—it's not our money. I mean, many of you, uh, it was many of you, had given money to that through fundraisers, through donations, things like that, and and it wasn't your money either. And it really was—it was a challenge to think that. But we, um, my wife and I, we continually remind each other and say, "Hey, if this if this is really going to happen, you know, God's the owner of it all. It was His to begin with, and He's got enough in His reserve." I think he'll be okay if this is truly his will to be done. And and as you know, it, through a number of different, you know, coincidences, aka miraculous events, um, Gideon was able to be brought home, and we were able to uh, raise more money and all those sorts of things that uh, God was just able to provide in a great way. So I think, you know, this this point of God is the owner, it's huge. All the rest of the points today are going to flow out of that, and it really, you can't really you know, understate or overstate it because because it, it is so huge. And there's a ton of verses in the Bible that talk about it, but we, we need to keep moving on. So the next, the next point here is this. It's all about the money is what the world would say. It is all about the money. Not only is it your money, it's all about the money, right? I mean, there's movies made out about it. About it. People talk about it all the time. Think about how much time you spend. We spend just trying to earn more of it spending it, all those things. It's almost like our society worships money in a lot of ways, isn't it? I mean, that's, in some ways it is. What if, what if I, I was up here preaching about, um, you know, worshiping money instead of worshiping Jesus? What would that look like? Well, I've got a video. Let's, let's take a look. The pocketbook says my money
1: is the key to happiness. It's the key to power. It's the key to peace it's the key to success it's the key to capitalism it's the key to producing purpose and it's the key to finding love that's my money i wonder do you know it my money is a supreme money no debased deceiver can debunk its buying power it puts bread on the table it makes me feel stable It's the core of consumerism. It is beyond criticism. It has no euphemisms. Do you know it? It wakes me up in the morning, and it keeps me up at night. It is the reward that I hoard. It dictates my day. It divides my kitchen. It's the big Benjamin. It's the cherished cheese. It's the green gravy. It's the lean lettuce. I wonder if you know it today. It has motivated every great person in all of mankind. It is incorruptible. It is indestructible. It is the translation of technology. It is the prescription of the powerful. It makes my heart of ease. And it's the only thing that puts me at ease. Do I want more of it? Yes, please. I wish I could describe it to you Yes it's uncomfortable it's uncontrollable you can't get it out of your mind you can't get it without demand without it you can't get by you can't buy without it the world can't function without it and it lasts for all eternity yes yes <laughs> that's my money go ahead and clap your hands if you need to cause that's my money that's my money
0: Well, some of you maybe know that that was kind of a spoof, in a way, off of a pastor named S.M. Lockridge, who was a pastor out in San Diego a while back. He's passed away now, but he preached a sermon about, that's, that's my king, and kind of goes on and on, that kind of same refrain, the same cadence there with talking about Jesus. And you know, that, that it would be a little more humorous, probably, um, if it wasn't so true. I mean, money is such a driving force in, in our world today. So what does God say? If it's all about the money, according to the world, God says, well, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. He doesn't measure us by our external wealth or possessions. He measures us by our heart. So he's focused on our hearts. Look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21, verses that you've probably heard before if you've been here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we see in these verses that it, it really is. It is focused on the heart, and really, money is almost like a window into our hearts. Um, you know, a few years ago, Pastor Michael used the, the illustration of tying a balloon to, to to money. The balloon was in the shape of a heart, and wherever you he threw the money. The balloon would follow. And just to kind of give us that picture of, of our heart following our money, we see this principle at, at work in these verses. But but Jesus, God created us, and he knows how we're wired. He, he knows that money, uh, probably in a greater way than a lot of other things in our life, has a way to kind of crawl up on the altar of our life to, to steal our worship away. That's why he talks about it so much. Um, but, but how do we align our hearts now? We, with, we, we recognize that it's an issue. It's a hard challenge. Um, how, how do we align our hearts to, to, to really um, be all about money as the way God sees it? Well, I think, you know, practically speaking, there, there's a few things that we can do with our money. If it's really about our hearts, how do we direct our hearts to align? There's, you know, the ways you can do it. You can spend your money, you can save it, you can give it. Three very broad categories, but that's, that's what we can do with our money. Um, the world would say probably, if you think about an order, um, spend it first. Enjoy it, have a good time save some you know because in case of a rainy day that sort of thing and then if you have any extra you can give some i mean it's probably it's a nice thing to do if you know there's a thing on american idol about donating to people across the world like that's a good you know noble thing to do and give it if you've got some if you've got money to do that the bible would say i think probably reverse that order quite a bit give it and we see this and, and we'll talk more about it in a minute but give it first generous live with an open hand um, it's God's to begin with, then, then save it, preparation, be prepared, and then whatever you have left over, spend. So we think about that order. And we think, I'll talk a minute just about spending money. How many of you have a hard time spending money? Anybody have a hard time spending money? A few of you? Okay, good, good. Because I'm in that boat, I think there's probably more of you, maybe. Um, maybe all of you are just being really honest. How many of you have a harder time maybe spending money on yourself? Right? Some, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to do sometimes for some of us. Sometimes some of us have like, you know, the holes in our pocket where we get the money and then it's just gone. We don't even know what happened and there's all this money, uh, you know, this, this month left at the end of our money and we don't know what to do and we're just in this endless cycle. Um, but, but I want us to think, when we think about spending, I often think of terms of wants and needs. And I, I just as I've kind of been preparing about this, I found a great resource that, that kind of, I think, helped me um, maybe not think so much this way anymore. You know, we think about wants and needs. What are our needs? Are, you know, air, we need air to breathe, we need water, we need food. Um, you know, clothing, yeah, we kind of need that, I guess. And, you know, if you could move to a warmer climate and live out like survivor guys in the jungle and not have clothes, you could do that, I mean, technically, and be okay. But But so there's very few things. I mean, a very small list of needs that you really, really need. But then our wants, okay, so our wants list could go, on and on and on forever, right? I mean, we want, we want to date our spouse. We want to have a nice car. We want to, you know, not uh, have rain fall on our heads when we're inside of a building. We, we want all these things. A lot of them are very good things. They're not necessarily inherently evil, but they're endless. So, I mean, lo- they're just, they're huge. So, so thinking of ter- things in terms of wants and needs lends towards, and it kind of directs us towards, I think, a negative... Um, a negative result. And it, we could come to the fact where, okay, uh, I I just really am going to got crunch our budget this month. I got to stick to what I need. Okay. So you go out to eat one time and you're like, man, I really, that, that this cheesecake factory meal was not vital to my existence. So you feel guilty. You're like, oh man, I, I shouldn't have eaten. This is a need. I, I want to, I don't know what to, man, God, I'm sorry. And you just, you just kind of go through the cycle of every time you spend money, you go to see a new movie and like, well, I didn't need to see that movie, and I spent that, you know, ten or twelve dollar, whatever the tickets are on weekends. Now, um, you know, I didn't need that. But then, then there's the other extreme that we kind of would, would drift towards is okay, I'm not going to do any of those things. You, you kind of, you know, sit back, look at oh, those people going out to eat again. Oh my goodness, good thing I'm more spiritual than they are, and only doing my, you know, spending money on my needs. And it's kind of this righteous self-righteousness and judgmental attitude that that creeps in on those things when we think about that. So I think instead of wants and needs, maybe a better perspective to think is kind of our wants versus our priorities, our wants and priorities, and think more in terms uh, under the umbrella of priorities instead of needs. Because, you know, like I said, our wants are endless. They they go on and on, but our resources aren't. We all have limited resources that God has entrusted us with, Um, so we we have to prioritize. Otherwise, we're going to you know drift towards this, so if we prioritize things like our relationship with Jesus or our relationship with others, things that we know that we see in Scripture are very important, um, I think this helps us when we kind of give us a framework of how to spend our money, okay so how how when I spend this money, is it helping further this priority or, or completing this priority, however you want to think about it? Uh, I, I think that these things um, will, will help us when you when you create a budget, things like that, and, and also I think you know, we have, we have a community group now going through financial freed up living through an organization called Good Sense Movement, similar to kind of Financial Peace University that you see. And I would encourage you, if you've never gone through one of those things, um, we, we're not going to talk too much about all the details of what's covered in that just for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to do that because when you, when you form a budget, I want you to think of, like budgeting can be a form of worship to God because you're, you're basically setting, and most of you never maybe thought about that. when you, If you sit down monthly or look at, okay, I'm going to see how, how do I how do I steward these resources or spend this money this month, my budget? You're really worshiping God as you choose where to, do, where to um, spend, where to, where to steward that money. So, so be thinking about that. I encourage you to get involved. We'll do those kind of classes or community groups uh, periodically. And there's some even going around in our city now that we can help direct you to if you would like to um, find more information or resources about just practical things about how, how to manage your money, manage God's money, right? All right. So... We've got a lot of other things we could talk about in spending money and wants versus needs versus priorities, those sorts of things. We've got to keep moving on. The world would also say next that, you know, I, I think there's some in the camp that money is evil, kind of on the other extreme, all right? If, you, you know, if you're rich, you're obviously doing something wrong because you're, you're evil. You're, you're sinful, you're sinning in some way, you've got all this money. Um, you know, there's people that, that think that. And now while we do see some strong challenges in the Bible Against you know they, they kind of that not necessarily against but they're kind of a warning to to the rich about how it is difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven. we don't see in the scripture anything that says money is evil it's not it's not a sin to to have nice things all those all those sorts of things, but it does say that we kind of cast a warning that it is a little bit harder um, for for a rich man to enter the kingdom than a camel to pass through the eye of a needle if you remember that that verse so we see. We see that money is evil, our world would say. Some would. Um, God would say that the love of money is evil. We look at this in a couple, couple of different places. We see 1 Timothy. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Alright, so we see, I mean, it spells it out right there. Just the result of what the craving, what the desiring of money, the love of money is creates. And then another verse that echoes this, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we see in here that it's really, it's not about the money, it's about the love, it's about the heart that we even talked about. So when we think about love of money, what does that look like? What does it look like to love money? You know, I, I think we probably can think of some ways. I think sins, like greed, uh, covetousness uh, envy um, you know those kinds of things really it's and at its core it's all idolatry we're, we're placing something at, at, at our core we're worshiping something besides Jesus and you know I think it's especially in our culture today in American culture we we uh you know it basically when you think about the American dream it's one big kind of covet fest in a sense right I mean it you think about just wanting more, I want a bigger house, I want a three-car garage, I want to do this, I want to blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, I know not everybody takes it to that extreme. And we're not just, we're not being sinful by just living here in America under that. But I think people do abuse that. And, and it is a one big covet fest in a sense. And when you covet something, it's basically a strong desire for something, a strong, uh, especially when that something is someone else's uh, and rightfully theirs. So, so I think we need to guard against that. And what is the one way to guard against those sins like envy like covetousness like like greed well it's contentment and we're going to talk a little bit more about contentment in a minute but that's huge I mean we could talk from the whole sermon series about the topic of what it means to be content um, but we need to keep moving on all right so we'll we'll touch on that here in a minute so next world's view would say money brings worry and stress most of you maybe have experienced this before money brings worry and stress. And anybody ever worried about how much money they have in their bank account before? Probably a few of you. It kind of consumes some of our thinking sometimes. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this term before, but it's called uh, affluenza, all right? So it, it's, there's a lot about it, but it's, it's kind of a combination of affluence and influenza, and it's defined as a painful, contagious, socially transmitted condition of overload, debt, anxiety, and waste Resulting from the dogged pursuit of more. Now, you know, there's been all sorts of scientific research about this and that sort of thing, and there's all this debate. But I think, even just looking at the definition, we see that our culture, in a lot of ways, suffers from this. You know, we, we see um, the statistics really prove that extremely affluent people, extremely, uh, you know, people that have a lot of money, they have higher rates of depression. So that kind of debunks the myth of, you know, money brings happiness and those sorts of things. Um, there's uh, materialistic uh, values have, have even been linked with lower relationship satisfaction. And these are just secular, you know, studies that have been done about money, about material possessions, and basically reaffirming um, what, what the Scripture says. Um, you know, money would bring worry and stress. What does God say about that? What does God have to say? What's his, how does he see money in this kind of context? Well, let's look at Matthew six thirty one and 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we see here how God thinks. And I think it it, it really, money isn't about worry and stress. its It's an opportunity for faith and trust in God. You know, this is where I think uh, we can... Take a second and talk about contentment. Um, you know, I think the greatest probably example of contentment, especially that we see in Scripture, is the Apostle Paul. He talks uh, talks about it um, here in Philippians. And let's let's read these verses in Philippians four. It says this: Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things. Through Him who strengthens me, and I always love reading reading these verses, especially Philippians four thirteen. That last sentence in the context uh, of these verses, because we always you know you hear that's a very um, often quoted scripture, and you see it all over the coffee mugs, all the Christian bookstores, and everything. Uh, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. But in the context, and if we want to be a good Bible student and study the Bible well, we need to understand these verses in their context. Paul is talking about contentment. He, he, he's saying, you know what, I, I can't do it on my own, but through Christ's strength in me, I can learn, and I have learned, to be content in whatever situation I am, whether he's getting beat and stoned to death or whether he's living in luxury, um, all these things across the whole spectrum. He's learned to be content because his identity, uh, his, his happiness, all those sorts of things aren't wrapped up or, or around money or, or things or his possessions or even this earthly life. They're, they're uh, focused on Jesus. So, you know, when we think about contentment and how he talks about it, I really think contentment, you can't, you can't have true contentment apart from uh, a basic understanding, and really a, even a deep understanding of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. Because if you don't have Jesus as the center of your life, as the focus, um, as the goal, uh, then you're going to try to strive after other things. You're going to desire other things. Um, because because you're, you're wired that way. You're, you're, we're worshipers. And if Jesus isn't in his rightful place, and we don't understand what, what God has done through sending his son to die on the cross for our sins, um, then, then contentment will never be attained. Um, so I, I, want, I want you to know, if, if you maybe have questions about that today, if, you, if you've never um, received Jesus, um, accepted his gift of salvation, um, I would encourage you to just on the back of your connection card to make a note of that there, and we'd love to talk with you. Um, Pastor Michael or I or some of our other leaders, we'd love to have that conversation with you just to answer any questions you may have and, and really encourage you in, in that direction. Because um, we want, God wants you to experience true contentment. You know, I think often we think of money and we're like, okay, God doesn't want me to have anything. He, he doesn't want me to have too much. So that's why I'm, you know, not, not making very much money at work because God's afraid if I make too much money, I'm just going to forget about him. But God, I'm not, I'm not going to forget about you. If you give me more, come on. And you, we kind of go through this wrestling But God God wants what's best for us. He he knows, he he doesn't want us to be happy with money. He wants us to be happy with himself. And that's because he's God and he created us. And so contentment is huge. Like I said, we could talk more and more about it, but um, we need to understand who Jesus is, what he's done to experience true contentment. Lastly, this last point. The world would say, treat yourself now. You know, you only live once, YOLO. Yeah, I mean, just do it. Do, do have a good time. Have, um, enjoy your life. Live it to the fullest well, right now. I mean, just, you know, sure, I mean, don't try to trample on people or hurt people, but enjoy yourself, all right? And then what would God say? Well, I think, as we've seen today, this is what God's view. He said, invest in eternity. Invest in eternity. We'll look again at these verses that I, that I mentioned and read earlier in Matthew 6. Now when we look at these verses, look at, this is Jesus talking, how is he trying to appeal to us? How is he trying to kind of stir up within us any any sort of change or thing? It's not necessarily like emotional response, it's not really much of a kind of spiritual response in a sense, it's really a logical thing, okay? He's saying, okay, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because... Not because, necessarily, I'm the best and just worship me, but because thieves will break in and steal, moth and rust will destroy. Those things. Logically, why would you want to, he's saying, invest in something that's not going to last when you can invest in something that is, that's going to last forever? You know, and I think that's important for us to, to see. I mean, he, he's appealing to our, our logic. And so how do we practice that? How do we practice um, storing up treasures in heaven? Well, there's a, you know, an infinite number of things that you could do, and it may be different for some of us. We could have the conversations about um, giving and giving to your church and tithing and the, all those sorts of things. Um, but we see, and we, we practice here, we encourage uh, people to, to tithe. So that's a 10 percent, give 10 percent. Um, but we don't see that as a necessarily a goal to get to and stop, or even as a starting point. We, we see that just as a, as a principle in Scripture that, that we encourage people uh, to, to follow. And then move beyond. Because the, there really isn't any specific number that's talked about in the New Testament. You know, Jesus doesn't come and say, hey, give me 95% and you live off 5%, or give me 50% and you live off the other half, or anything like that. It's more of a kind of a partnership. Uh, you know, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us to, to really have a relationship with Jesus and see. Um, what what he would have us give, and and we'll talk more about that in a second. But I think C.S. Lewis has this great quote related to this because when I think about um, how you know we all ask the question, okay, how much should, should I give? What what, should, what does God want from me? I think this quote here um, kind of explains it really well, explains it really well. He says this. He said, "I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc." is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charity expenditures or giving excludes them. And I think, you know, as I read that, it was kind of like, okay, that Makes sense. Obviously, much easier said than done. But you know, he's basically saying if if your life looks like the world around you, you know, if you're you're doing all the same things, you're enjoying all the same things, that it's not necessarily, you know, that you're you're living in active sin or anything, but you're probably giving away too little, Um, because when we look at scripture and a lot of these verses that we read today, are are, we're not living for the here and now. We want to invest in eternity, and and the world around us is not worried about or concerned with investing in eternity. They're worried about here and now, having a good time. And so I think as you look at that, I, I want you just to um, maybe maybe ask ourselves a few questions related to this. And you see there in your notes, there's a next, next step question or, or something like that at the end to the bottom. And I, I want us to think through uh, four questions. And they're kind of a progression. Um, we all may be at different, different levels or different questions. But I want us to think about them. And and then as we close today, I want you to really think about what question you're going to ask God. What question this week are you going to really spend some consistent time in prayer and ask God about? The first question is this, and maybe maybe some of you are here. It's, it's this. God, what do you want me to do with my stuff? You know, That's where maybe a lot of us start out. God, what do you want me to do with my stuff? That, that's at least acknowledging, hey God, you may have some sort of desire for me that may be outside of my wants and desires. So, so let's ask the question, what do you want me to do with my stuff? Hopefully, maybe even after hearing today, you know, that's not necessarily the right question to ask, but maybe let's look at the next one. God, what do you want me to do with your stuff? God, what do you want me to do with your stuff? The, the possessions, the resources that you have given, they're not mine, so we're acknowledging uh, they're not mine to begin with. What do you want me to do with your stuff? Next, we've got another question. God, how much of your stuff do you want me to give? All right, so we know God, we, we know that you want me to give things. We, we know you don't want me to just keep it and have all of the blessings that you've given to me kind of terminate on, on me. We want it to flow out. So how much of your stuff do you want me to give? And maybe this is a question that, I mean, it's a scary question, right? I mean, because what if he says something that we're not comfortable with? That, that God, you know, I, I've already given you th- this much. I, I, how am I supposed to do more? I mean, this is, a, this is a tough question. And then the last question I think that maybe should be a goal for us to get to at some point is this. God, how much of your stuff do you want me to keep? You know, I think that this question really summarizes well the, the way that God sees money. Most simply. I mean, as we look at Scripture, and there's hundreds and hundreds of other verses that we could have looked at today, But I think this is a perspective question. That if we truly ask ourselves, um, it'll revolutionize our relationship with Jesus. It will um, just have an enormous, who knows the effect it could have on the people around us. Um, But what question will you ask? And so I want you to think about those questions. Look at them. Don't just write down question number four because you think it's the Jesus answer, Sunday school answer to do. I want you to write down that question. Which question that you're at? Which question? Uh, maybe, maybe you've said, you know, you've been maybe thinking along, okay God, I know it's your stuff, what do you want me to do with it? Maybe you kind of shift it Says, okay God, I'm giving something. What do you want me to give of your stuff that you've given me? The money, the possessions, all those sorts of things. You know, as, uh, we, as we close, and we're going to sing a song here to um, finish our service in a moment. I, I, I hope today that that This hasn't been like a guilt trip. Uh, that, that wasn't my purpose. I don't think that's God speaking through his word. He's not trying to guilt us into giving more. He's not trying to guilt us into spending less on ourselves. Um, I, I think he wants us to have the right priorities. He's concerned about our hearts. And he wants He wants us to, to have more of him because he knows that he's the best for us. And so when things like money and possessions, when they creep into our life, um, it, it is it just saddens him in such a great way, I know. Um, so let's commit today to just being being better stewards, realizing that everything we have is God's. Um, I know this has been very convicting for me just to think about, okay, I, I know a lot of these things intellectually, like many of you do, but am I truly asking some of these questions? Am I truly asking the question, God, all right, just because I'm making some more money, just because I can afford this thing, doesn't necessarily mean it's your will for me to get it, right? I mean, I really want, like, the new iPhone, but... Maybe it's not God's will for me to have the new iPhone right now. Maybe it is. It's not a sin to have something new. But, but just to process and think through that lens, that perspective, that framework of how to spend your money, how to use your resources, I think will be um, just so just so transformational uh, for our lives. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we do thank you uh, for your word and how it does speak so much about this difficult topic. God, it's so prevalent in our society in our world today where we have a lot of it we have a lot of money god we have a lot of possessions and god forgive us uh, here in this room especially uh, when we let those things crawl up onto the altar of our hearts and become idols in our life god it's so easy for that to happen but god today i pray that if there's people in this room god for all of us that we would we would ask ourselves the hard questions and that we'd be serious about listening for a response from you, that we would study your word and that we would really make an honest attempt at following you in a greater way in this area. God, we we need your help to do this. God, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the source of true contentment, to battle all of these sins and the, the the ways that these things mess up our lives, God, in His name we pray, Amen. I would have you go ahead and stand. We're going to finish with a a song today called "Christ Is Enough." Many of you have sung it before. We've sung it before, but I want you to think about the words as you sing it. You know, a lot of times we think about you know, our rewards here on this earth. We, we work really hard for this reward. Maybe, you know, maybe it's some temporal thing and, and that's okay, that's okay. But as you sing this these words in this song, I want you to think about the true reward. Christ is our reward. And, and that no matter how much stuff that we have on this earth, no matter how nice our house is, no matter how, how nice our clothes are, or anything else that, that is important to us, no matter the the importance of those things, Christ is, is should be enough he is enough for us and I, I pray that you would really mean that as you' sing these words this morning
2: Christ is my reward Christ is My soul will sing, no turning back, I've been set to follow Jesus